The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. You can go ahead and remain seated as we, we read these verses. Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. How shall we escape if we neglect the great gifts of God? Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we examine this subject this morning, I pray that you would instruct us by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would convict us in our hearts. For certainly, Lord, none of us, not one of us here today, can say that we are all that we should be. So I pray today that you would, that you would dig down into our hearts and that you would bring up those things that we need to, to get right in our lives. Use this time this morning to glorify yourself, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans, white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. This is a song most of us learned in elementary school. At least I think so. Are they still teaching that in elementary school? They, they may not be teaching that in elementary school anymore. When I was in elementary school, we would stand every morning and pledge allegiance to the flag and we would sing this song. It is a song that evokes faith and trust in God. Yet as a nation today, Americans would seem to lack trust in God. Just consider the state of our country today. Our Supreme Court has legalized the murder of innocent, unborn children. Our Congress has passed laws removing God from our children's classrooms and textbooks, and at the same time has invited homosexuality and transsexuality into the very same classrooms and textbooks. Television airs the most vile and profane programming such that dishonor God 
and appear to appeal to the most base desires of our wicked, evil, sinful hearts and minds. Hatred, violence, greed, these are at epidemic proportions across this land we call America today. Gang violence, rape, incest, murder, these are all rapidly increasing across America as I stand here and speak. Small rural communities, once sheltered from such a lack of morality, are now as corrupted as the large inner cities. Across our nation this morning, Christian men and women sitting in church services just like this are being fed a health, wealth, and prosperity message. Slowly but surely, liberalism has crept into the pulpits across America. Lies have been sown under the guise of gospel preaching. Satan has been ushered into the lives of many Christian people by teachers having itching ears. No longer do our pulpits preach, thus saith the Lord. No longer do our pulpits renounce the works of the flesh and preach godliness through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. No longer do our pulpits warn of God's wrath and judgment to come. These have all been replaced by things such as the purpose-driven church or power of positive thinking or the seeker-sensitive ministries. And so today, February 16, 2020, our nation sits on the brink of judgment. The cry of the millions of aborted babies continually rise up into the ears of God this morning. The stench of man's depravity challenges the justice of God today. The open debauchery of men's wickedness invites the wrath of God upon our nation. And just as God repeatedly allowed Israel to fall into the hands of its enemies, so I fear America is on a collision course with the reckoning of its sins. The author of Hebrews asks a very poignant question. How shall we escape if we neglect? This morning I want to challenge each of us here to face this question. To reconcile your lives according to God's word and God's principles. Not according to popular opinion, but according to God's word and God's principles. To awaken out of sleep and realize the bondage to which we have destined our children and future generations. That's right. That's right. Your children. Your grandchildren. My grandchildren. What kind of world are we leaving them? Huh? Did you ever think about that? 
In Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, we read, And that, knowing the, the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The end is nearer than it was when you were born. We don't know when it will be, but it is closer, amen? What are we leaving our children? Now, as always, there are two groups being addressed this morning. Those who are born again and those who are not. First, let me speak to the are-nots. And to, to you, I want to say, number one, how shall we escape condemnation? How shall we escape condemnation? In Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4, we read, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. And then the Lord says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. I suppose I, I could come to a service in a place like this this morning and I could just assume everyone here is, is saved. I could assume that everyone is born again. But if to assume that, then I am denying what the Lord said. What am I talking about? I'm talking about tares amongst the wheat. That's, that's what Jesus said our churches would be made of. Did you know that? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 13. Go to Matthew chapter 13 with me. And we're going to begin at verse 24. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 24. We read here. And another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and went his way. But when the, the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with, the, with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into thy barn. Tares amongst the wheat. Church, a church like this, according to Jesus, and I think Jesus knows what he's talking about, will have tares amongst the wheat. Some of you here this morning may not be saved. You may like church. You may enjoy coming and hearing preaching. You may like to sing. You may even give money in the offering plate. But you're not truly saved. You are a tear amongst the wheat. Now certainly, 
I know most of you, and I consider you to be good people. But we must remember it is not you or me that decide who is good. It is God that makes that decision, and he has already declared his judgment. In Romans chapter 3, we read, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You might be the nicest person I've ever known. You might even be the most honest person I know. But despite this, we are all still pronounced unprofitable by God. We have already been condemned for our sins. Again, in John chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. <clears throat> Now, some here may say, now wait just a minute here, Brother Dalton. I do believe in God. But we must be so very careful here with this word, believe. For we must consider scripture. In James chapter 2.19, James says, Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe. And tremble. You see, the word believe that we read in John chapter 3 and verse 18, where it said, He that believeth is not condemned, that, that word believe is derived from the Greek word pistes. And that word is correctly translated to trust. However, the word believe that we just read in James 2.19 where James said the devils believe also, is derived from the Greek root word pytho, which is correctly translated to assent. One calls for complete dependence, John chapter 3, while the other calls for intellectual agreement, James chapter 2. Satan and his minions assent to the truth that God is the one true God. They do. They, they, they assent to that truth. However, this assent does not equate to their salvation. From this we can see that a simple perception of God is not sufficient to escape the wages of sin. So if you're sitting here this morning and you say, yes, I believe in God, it's great. If you assent that there is a God, that's wonderful, but that does not, that is not trust unto the Savior as your Lord. A simple belief or knowledge of God cannot deliver one from hell. Neither do we escape condemnation by virtue of works or righteousness. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Our good works are, are, are like filthy rags before God. 
Oh, dear friends, this morning there is but one escape from the condemnation that awaits all men. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe, pistes, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Acts chapter 4, we read, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, not in Allah, not in, not in Buddha, not in karma, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Do you hear the voice of Christ today calling you to repentance? As you sit in the pews right now, is your heart burning because of the name of Jesus? Do you hear the Lord calling unto you, saying, come unto me, all ye that thirst. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. To those who hear him is given the power to believe, to pistes, to entrust to him. John chapter 1 and verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe, pistes, on his name. Is the voice you hear today that of Christ? Then answer that call and be saved. But then some here today are saved. And for those of you that are, I say thank the Lord. Praise God. You have answered that call and have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. However, the author of Hebrews continues the question. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So number two, to those of us that are saved, how shall we escape deprivation and destruction? How shall we escape deprivation and destruction? To those who are redeemed this morning, how do we expect to escape all the corruption and deprivation of this world if we neglect the gifts given us by God through his grace? Uh, let's think about this for a moment. What have Americans done with God and his principles in the past 57 years? Well, in the last 57 years, prayer was banned in public schools in 1963. Uh, we passed, uh, the Supreme Court passed Roe versus Wade, authorizing women to murder babies, 1973. The Ten Commandments were banned in all federal buildings, all of them, in 2002. Homosexuality and transsexuality became mandated in public schools in 2007. And homosexual marriages were legalized in 2008. So in the last 57 years, we've become totally depraved in our country. 
I want you to turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 6. Now, I, I cheated. I put markers in my Bible uh, because I've got to keep us moving along. Jeremiah chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 9. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 9. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. When you hear that in the word of God, you know what you better do? You better open your ears and pay attention. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. They shall thoroughly glean the remnants of Israel as a vine... Turn back thine hand as a gatherer into the baskets. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of God is unto them a reproach that have no de- they have no delight in it. You know, when you preach the word of God to this crowd, they don't like that. And they get up and walk out. Because they're not going to listen to that. Because they're, 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 in their hearts, they're evil. And they don't want to hear truth. Look at verse 11. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken. The aged with him that is full of days. And their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and, and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. Now listen, God is pronouncing judgment upon a wicked nation. So you better pay attention because this is the fate of America if things keep going the way they are. Verse 13, For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of my, of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Uh, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Wow. Folks, let me tell you something. That day is coming. That day is coming. You think America is going to continue to, to do the things it's doing and, and, and continue to, to flaunt its wickedness before God and get away with it forever? God's, God's wrath is slow, but it's always on time. Verse 16. Thus saith the Lord. Okay, it's time to open up your ears again. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. The old paths, the old ways, the old gospel preaching. The old thus saith the Lord. But they said, we will not walk therein. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. Therefore hear, ye nations, and know, O congregation, who is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, 
even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. Listen, I'm not trying to be a pessimist today. Don't sit there and say, oh, he's just a doom and gloomer. He's just a pessimist. I'm not preaching a doom and gloom message this morning. <laughs> I'm preaching, thus saith the Lord. You just, you just read it with me. What God pronounces to wicked nations. So let me ask you, is America a wicked nation? Well, if you compare it to the nation I grew up in, it sure is. <laughs> Maybe everyone under the age of 30 wouldn't agree with me. But all of you above the age of, of 40 do. Look, I love America today. My relatives bled on the battlefields of this, of this world to help secure our freedoms. But I am appalled at the condition of our nation today. And ultimately, the fault for all of this, get ready now, I'm going I'm to lay the blame where it belongs. The fault for all of this rests squarely upon the shoulders of God's people. Turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. You know, my blood boils when I see some of the things on TV today. When I see people burning an American flag. I have, I have uncles and cousins who died in war defending that flag. My blood boils when some... Self-centered kid refuses to honor the flag during a, and takes a knee instead of stand up proudly and, and, and support the flag under which he lives. My blood boils at that. But my, I remember what my mama told me. And so I behave. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 14, I want everyone to read this together. Ready? Begin. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Do you think there's any force on the face of this earth that can stay the hand of God? So if God's people got right with God and humbled themselves and, and, and turned from their wicked ways, God could bring healing to this, to this nation. But notice, he said, if my people, not the President of the United States, he said, if my people, not the joint houses of Congress, if my people, not the Supreme Court, he said, if my people. America is in the shape it is today because of God's people. 
because of you and me. Right now, people are looking for the root cause of our woes in this nation. And I am here today to tell you that the root cause of our woes are sitting in the pews and standing in the pulpits across America today. We've become, we've become silent. We've become complacent. We've become apathetic. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that all that generation that was with Moses when they crossed the Red Sea, all that generation died and went to their fathers. But then what does the Bible say? There arose what? Another generation that knew not the Lord nor his great works that he had done among them. How do you suppose that generation got to where it was? Well, because those who were in that generation, in in the previous generation, became silent. They stopped talking about it. They stopped, they became apathetic. They just quit caring. It is Christians who have corrupted their hearts and minds with the things of this world. But few remain in America that are willing to admit that. No one wants to accept the blame. Far too many Christians are too filled with pride to admit that we are the problem. I can see some of you looking at me right now and you're saying, wait, you're saying I'm the problem? Yes. Yes. And until you get to the point where you understand you're the problem, you're not going to attempt to fix it. We're the problem. We want to sit in our sealed houses and pat ourselves on the back. And no one had better dare imply that we're not right with God. We sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. But we forsake the Lord's Day for the beach or to cheer for our favorite team. We sing, standing on the promises of Christ my King. While we worry and complain about our IRA and our 401k dropping like a rock. Denying God's providence for us. We sing wherever he leads I'll go. But we turn a deaf ear to the call to serve in our local church. And all of this has contributed to the decay of moral values in America. We hear politicians talking about moral values. My Lord. Some of these, some of these, some of these people I hear on the TV running for public office, and they talk about values. What, what would they know about values? But we hear them talking about values, but the values they are promoting are those of the world, not of the Lord. First John chapter 2, John writes, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The lust of the flesh, that's all you want to do. The lust of the eyes, that's all you want to have. The pride of life, that's all you want to be. These things are of the world. But now notice, the common thought here is that it is all that you want. 
It's all that you want. But what should be the passion of the child of God? The passion of the child of God should be to do, to have, and to be all that God wants of me. The humility of the flesh says, Lord, what do you want me to do? The humility of the eye says, Lord, what do you want me to have? And the humility of life says, Lord, what do you want me to be? So what can we do? What must we do if we hope to escape the depravity and desolation of this world? I don't have time to turn to Luke chapter 15. You can turn there later. We're just going to, we're just going to reference it right now. Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. And we all know the story very well, right? The prodigal son took his, took his inheritance and he left and went off into the world. And he wasted it on riotous living. And he finds himself one day in the pigsty feeding the hogs and desiring to eat their food because he had nothing. So I'm going to use that prodigal son as an example of what we need to do in America today as God's people. So here, here we go. Number one, we need to rise. We need to rise. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 18, this young man said, I will arise. He found himself in the midst of the pigsty, and he came to himself. He finally woke up and said, I will arise. Before we can begin to set things right in our life, we must first see ourselves where we are. This young man was as low as he could go, feeding the swine and desiring to eat their food. I am speaking to people today who have marital problems. People who have financial problems. People who have family issues. And you will never begin to solve these until you see yourself in the pigsty that we are in today in this country. Once this prodigal son was awakened to where he was, then he was able to begin to understand how to resolve the problem. And once you and I awaken and see the mess that we have for ourselves in this country then we will arise. Then we can turn to the Lord for guidance and wisdom. What must we do if we hope to escape? First, we need to rise. But then number two, we need to return. He said, I will arise and go to my father. He, he, he came to himself in the pigsty and he said, I don't need this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull myself up. And I'm going to go to my father. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 7. We read, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Now this is a great truth. The prodigal son knew where to find his father. Did you hear that? He knew where to find his father. He knew exactly where to go. 
And the same is true for you and me today. Listen, we're not lost. We're not lost in America. It's some bad times, but we're not lost. We know where we know where to go, right? We go to the Father. We go back, we return to the Lord. Malachi 3 6, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. We return to the Father. We return to His Word. We return to the principles of His Word. We return to the truth of His Word. And we don't change His Word to fit our lives. We change our lives to, to obey His words. The father of this prodigal son was where he was supposed to be. And by the way, he was looking for the return of his son, was he not? You remember the story? In the story, the father saw his son afar off. The reason he saw him afar off is because he was watching for him to come back. Luke chapter 15, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Remember we read just a moment ago um, in, in Malachi chapter 3 where the Lord said, Return unto me and I will return unto you. Yeah, you see a picture of that. The father, the father saw the son afar off coming to him. And what, is, what did he do? He pulled up a bench on the porch and sat back and waited to have him come up and say, Well, I told you so. Now, that's not what he did. What did, what did he do? We just, we, just, we just read it. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. God loves you. Do you know that? God loves you so much that he died for you on Calvary. And he wants you to be with him. He wants you to walk close to him. Stay close to him. Come home to God today. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We are to rise. We are to return. Then lastly this morning, we're to repent. Luke 15, 18, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. See, the prodigal son realized what, what he had done and he, he realized he needed the father. So he, he got himself up. He, he said, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to return. And when I get there, I'm going to repent for my actions. This is where we are today. We must repent in America. We as God's children must recognize our, our, our part of what's wrong with this country. And we must, we must awaken and rise and we must return to the Father and we must repent. Lord, forgive me for what I've done. Father, forgive me for, for my, 
my, my compromises, the compromises in my life that have brought me to where I am today. Renewing me a, a right heart, cleanse my mind, help me, Lord, strengthen me, use me again as you did once before. We must repent. Listen, by the way, God is aware of our sins. The question is, are we prepared to acknowledge them and forsake them in his presence? I hope I didn't get anybody mad. But if I did, I'm sorry, but thus saith the Lord. Today, I pray that the Holy Spirit has helped each of us to look inside of our own heart and answer those questions. Is my heart right with God today? Am I holding on to things I need to to let go of? Do I have the faith that I should have? Is my life a testimony for Christ? Am I a child of God to begin with? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your grace. Were it not for your love and grace, Father, none of us would even be here today. And Father, if there are are some in this room that have never trusted you, have never received your, your gift of grace, but have heard your voice this morning and realized they need to be saved, then I pray, Lord God, that you would that you would convict them and that they would take care of that today. And then, Lord, for those of us who are saved, I know, I know, Lord, we like to think we're doing a great job. But sometimes we're not doing so good because we've, we've lost sight. Our priorities have gotten messed up. We've become complacent and we've become apathetic with sin in the world. And no longer does it trouble us. No longer, no longer does, it, does it stir us to, to action. We've become more concerned with our pocketbook than the Bible. Father, I cannot speak for my brothers or sisters this morning, but Lord... I do pray that you, would, that you would soften my heart. I pray that you would convict me and that you would drive me through your Holy Spirit. Cause me, Lord, to do the things that I must do to be right with you. Break us today. Help us, Lord, to, to be living examples to live our testimony in this community. And Lord, we, we may not be able to turn around America from Ronan Park today, but we can affect change here in this place. So use us and help us, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. May all that was done bring glory and honor to your name. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, 
please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.